My Car Guru, Season 11, Episode 37. Hello, folks, and welcome to another edition of My Car Guru. Today, we are going to be talking about car life disasters. My inbox in my email has been inundated with issues that people are having that listen to this radio show or this podcast, and, and I have consolidated some of the, I guess, the most disastrous ones, and I'm going to tell you what to do about them. You know, this is one of those shows where I compile a whole bunch of information and cram it into 23 minutes. So I'm going to do the best I can for you. Before I get into that, you know, the electric revolution is upon us, or is it? You know, I'm not sure it is. Matter of fact, I'm pretty sure it's not. There's good evidence of that perspective in this week's edition of Automotive News. Ten different companies are reviewed. I'll give you some names. How about Canoe? Have you heard of that? Faraday Future. That's a car company, folks. Aptera. Navia. Nicola or Nicola. Lordstown. Workhorse. Fisker. I've heard of that one. Arrival and Re. Well, let's see. I've heard of Fisker, Lordstown, Nicola, or Nicola, and that's about it. And uh, what's what do these have in common? They're all running out of money. Uh, there are several of these companies that have half a month's worth of cash on hand. There's two of them. There's uh, four more that look like they can last on the out, the cash that they have in the bank. They can last uh, between five and six months. There's one that can last a year. One 18 months, one 41 months, and one 56 months. The one at 56 months is re. I'm not even sure what type of electric vehicle they make. Now, some of these make only commercial vehicles, and some of them make passenger vehicles, and uh, they are all electric. So what, what does that mean? Why was there such a mad rush to support uh, all of these companies by buying their stock when they had an, an initial public offering. Because, you know, the EV explosion was uh, lit by the Biden administration, and they said, okay, this is what we're doing. Uh, California said, oh, okay, well, we're going to ban any type of uh, internal combustion engine in 2035. So everybody said, whoa, as far as the industry was concerned. So they had all these startups. Tesla was has been really the only really successful one. Rivian uh, is hanging on by a thread, but they're not in this list of ones that are getting ready to fail. Rivian just might make it because they got an early start. They had plenty of capital. Now, they burned through a lot of it and still haven't made a profit. But Rivian makes a truck and an SUV, so we shall see what happens to them. So I'm going to get right in to the subject at hand absolute car life disasters and what to do about them. And I'll be back in just one minute. Okay, I am back. Let's get into some of these car life disasters. The first one I'm going to talk about was made painfully aware to me yesterday when a customer was trying to trade in a diesel truck. And we did a little inspection. We saw that the emission controls have been deleted, removed. Why would they do that? Well, the truth of the matter is, when you delete a lot of these emission controls, the uh, diesel trucks will get better fuel mileage, and they'll also run better. And that sounds like a good thing, but not to the EPA. Because it's absolutely illegal for me to sell 
as a dealer for me to sell a vehicle that has had the emission controls deleted. Even though we do not have inspections in the state of Tennessee, most states do have them. And uh, if you get caught selling a vehicle with a deleted emission control system or deleting them, then you are in violation of federal law and the fines are incredibly stiff. It wouldn't take too many to put just about any shop out of business that's doing it. And if an individual does it themselves, they also can be uh, sanctioned in one way or another. So this is really a big industry. There are shops all over this area and uh, all over the country, matter of fact, that will delete emission controls on diesel trucks. There are some shows on the Discovery Channel where they brag about doing this. There are companies that advertise online that they sell the equipment uh, that you need to uh, reprogram your diesel engine once you've deleted the, the emission controls. Uh, one of those companies got sued for like $50 million by the EPA. Uh, they do not like it, and they will not stand for it. So uh, if somebody trades in a vehicle to me, I'm going to basically uh, deduct um, the, from, the, from the value of the truck what it will cost to reinstall the, um, all the different things that have been removed, like the EGR system, uh, the exhaust system, uh, the, the DEF, the diesel exhaust fluid system. All of these are designed to reduce emissions. Now, what's your opinion on that? I mean, do you think if somebody buys something, they should be able to do whatever they want to to it? They modify it any way they want to? You know, they could put wheels and tires and, and uh, you know, stripes and tinted windows and stuff like that. But the emission controls are federally mandated in order to meet the, uh, the standards that the government has. And if you violate those standards, then you get slapped with fines. So uh, if you go to a dealership and are looking at buying a vehicle, uh, let's say it's a diesel F-250 or something like that, then you better check and see if the, uh, if the emissions have been deleted. Because if they're selling it to you and, and you buy it and you don't know that, then you're going to have a, have a hard time when you go to trade it in. If you you know sell vehicle between individuals, it's not that big of a deal. But this is an issue that you need to be aware of, and it can become a disaster. Okay, what else? All right, cannot get a title. This comes up a lot. Um, let's say you bought a car at a, a dealership, and they are really slow to get you a title. It could be one of two reasons. Number one, they haven't got the title from the people who traded it in. Or the other issue could be that they have that vehicle floor plan. They borrowed money against it to uh, support all of their inventory needs. And they just don't have the cash flow to be able to pay it off to provide you with a title. That's a bad situation to be in. You know, you should have a title. If you pay cash for something, you're going to get the title in a, in a matter of, uh, you should get it in a matter of days, if not the day that you take delivery of the vehicle. If you're buying from an individual, do not hand them the money until they hand you the title. Now, if it's an antique car, you know, if it's over 25 years old in this state, the state of Tennessee, you don't have to have a title. All you have to have is a bill of sale, and then you can go to the, uh, the tag office, and, and they'll print you a title. I mean, or they may have to uh, fill, out the, fill out the paperwork, and the state of Tennessee will send you a title. But, you know, states are different. You need to find out what the laws are in your state. But if somebody's selling you a late-model car and they don't have a title— don't give them the money. Now, if you're financing the car, that's a different scenario. If you're financing the car through the dealership, uh, the lender will 
go to bat for you to get the title. Um, and if they cannot provide provide the title in a reasonable amount of time, the lender will not uh, finance the car. And unfortunately, you'll have to take the car back. So that could be a disaster, couldn't it? Uh, so just make sure that they have the title there. And if you don't get something, either your tags or the title, you know, the tags showing that the vehicle has been registered or the title within 30 days, then go to the dealership and ask them what the heck's going on. Because it, it could be a major delay with, with the previous lien holder. But you need to know that. You need to find that out and call. If, if they're giving you the runaround, then I would definitely go in personally and talk to somebody of authority and figure out what's going on. Okay? All right, here's, here's a disaster. You bought a car several years ago, and you go to trade it, and they pull a Carfax, and they find out it has salvage history. Nobody ever told you that, right? Or at least you can't remember them telling you that. This is one of those situations where uh, you have to have your paperwork. What did you sign? Now, there is something called a buyer's order or a sales contract, and it has all kinds of fine print on it at most dealerships, including mine. And that fine print is designed to protect us from you and you from us. And it's all legal mumbo jump well it's not really mumbo jumbo it's uh it's important stuff and it does protect you but you need to read it you need to know what's in there um we never sell salvage vehicles I, I, you know if i trade for a salvage vehicle i'll put a number on it as long as i know that i have a, a dealer or a junkyard or somebody like that that's going to buy it from me there are some uh, used car dealers that don't you know that's the only thing they sell are vehicles with salvage titles but you need to know, why was it salvaged? Was it stolen and recovered? Um, was it a total accident, you know, totaled and rebuilt? I mean, there, there can be all kinds of reasons something has, has a salvage title. Could have been in a flood. But if you find out after the fact, you know, you didn't read your paperwork to begin with, but it's something that you always ask when you're buying. Now, this thing doesn't have a salvage title, does it? Pull the, pull the history. And go one step further, uh, call the dealership or the, uh, well, a dealership that sells that brand and ha have them pull the warranty history. Because if it has salvage history, the manufacturer will have canceled the warranty on that vehicle. Once they find out from an insurance company or a body shop or something like that that something's been, that, you know, it's been salvaged, stolen, recovered, or whatever, they automatically cancel the warranty. So that's something you need to be aware of. What do you do about it? Well, you get all your paperwork together and you go down to that dealership and take the car and say, I bought this car from you three years ago. Nobody ever told me it was salvage and there's nothing on this paperwork that said that it had a salvage title. I never saw the title because I financed the car. Now, if you finance the car with a salvage title, the bank should have caught that and you may have recourse against them, but you definitely have recourse against the dealer. Now, if they don't do something about it, then you can sue them and I would. You know, just get you a lawyer, and that's fraud. And so you can you can get some action. And you'll probably get their attention if they get a letter from a lawyer. You know, you can always have your lawyer send a letter first, and I think that's a, a good strategy to use to get that problem solved. Okay, here's another disaster, potential disaster. Paperwork does not agree with what you agreed to. So you buy a car on Saturday, 
and oh, you're so happy you sign all the paperwork and, and you signed a buyer's order and you thought you were just buying a car. Well, the next thing you know, um, Monday or Tuesday, you just say, hey, honey, what's this thing that they gave us? Well, that's a memory stick, okay? And that's what some dealers are doing is they're using a memory stick, which is something you stick in a computer, and it will display all the paperwork that you signed. And all of a sudden, you stick that memory stick in the computer, and you look at it and said, "Why didn't I don't remember buying extended warranty and gap insurance and, and uh, all this other stuff. I just thought I was buying a car. Folks, if, if that happens to you, then you need to, to go straight down to the dealership. Do not wait. Say, I didn't want any of this stuff. Unfortunately, you signed for it. So this is another one of those avoidable disasters. You should have read the paperwork before you signed it. You know, when that nice guy in the finance office was explaining things, you should have been listening and not just been excited about getting a new car, even though it is exciting, and I get it. But, you know, you need to pay attention. Now, you can get all of that stuff canceled. It's kind of complicated, but you can cancel anything that you didn't want to buy. You can cancel it. And uh, extended warranties, mop and slop is what they call it when they put paint, uh, paint protection and fabric guard on the seats. The dealers call it mop and slop. Does it make you think that it's probably not worth what they're charging you if they call it mop and slop? It's probably not. So you do have recourse on this, but you have to act quickly. Don't wait a month. You know, when you get home, if they did, if they are kind enough to have printed out your paperwork instead of sticking it on a memory stick, then review it. Just go over it and make sure that there's nothing on there that you're confused about. I know it's really exciting in the finance office, and you they go through everything really fast, and they say, sign here, sign here. You know, you can take that paperwork out into the customer lounge and read it before you sign it. They don't like it. They don't want you to do that. I don't have a problem with it. But a lot of people do. So just read the paperwork and, you, and this won't happen. But again, act quickly. That's the secret to this disaster. Okay. This one comes up a lot. Uh, major failure after the warranty expires. Oh, boy. Well, you bought a lemon. Okay. Um, I guess the issue here is, did it become a lemon while you had it? Or was it a lemon before you bought it? You know, I've heard people say over the years, the reason they don't want to buy a used car is because they feel like they're buying somebody else's problem. Well, usually that's not the case. But before you buy a car, check the Carfax or the auto check. Uh, you know, do a, a warranty history. And you can find out real quickly if a vehicle was a lemon while it was under warranty by how many times it went into the service department. You know, that friendly service advisor at the Toyota store can pull the warranty history on a car. They can't show you the customer's name and all that stuff because that's confidential, but they can tell you about the car. And if you're buying a used car, I'd do that. I, I would do that on any used car purchase. I would find out what the warranty history is because it, it could have had a checkered past. Now, it doesn't mean that you know, it's not straightened out now. It's possible that they traded it because it had so many problems and they were just sick of it or that it still had a problem. Hopefully the dealership where you're buying it took care of that issue if they did any kind of a, a pre-delivery inspection or test drove the vehicle. And, you know, maybe it has a check engine light issue that keeps coming on. Anytime you have an issue like that that comes up, like right after you bought the car, go straight back. It's just like the paperwork. If, if you have a paperwork 
question, go back immediately. You know, if a check engine light comes on or the brakes don't feel right or, you know, you got some weird rattle in the back, the quicker you get back to that dealership, the better. Don't be mean or angry. I mean, just be nice. Just go in there and say, listen, this thing is making this funny noise. I just wanted you to check it out. Well, you already bought it, and uh, we're not going to do anything. You bought it as is. Well, you bought it at the wrong dealership, if they're saying that, um, and my sympathies. But, you know, they, they, have to, uh, they have to stand behind it. Just in any good dealership will. If you're buying from a little, and even if you buy it from a little used car lot, you know, they have a reputation to live up to. You know, I'm not going to buy a used car from a dealer that's not been in business, from a used car dealer that's not been in business for a while. If they just set up shop, you have no idea what you're dealing with. And you don't know where they're buying their cars from. And, you know, that's why you need to, when you pull the car fax or the auto check, see where the car used to live. I mean, if it was from New York or Pennsylvania or Vermont or someplace like that, or, or maybe even Texas, you know, when they had a big flood or something like the big hurricane, that's what you have to watch out for. And, um, you know, I, we live in Tennessee. And, you know, if I'm buying a car and it's from Georgia, North Carolina, Georgia, or let's say, I don't know, Florida, Alabama, if it's from around here, I feel a whole lot better about it than if it's from New York. So uh, that's something to be concerned about. But, you know, some cars are lemons. They really are. They just... I don't know. They used to say it was built on a Monday or was it Friday? I don't remember. But, you know, some cars just are are problem vehicles. It could have an internal engine problem. You know, it could have a a major problem with the air conditioning. It just, you just can't get it fixed. And so people get frustrated, then they trade it or they, uh, maybe the manufacturer buys it back. And you can find that out on a, a Carfax or an auto check. But, you know, did the vehicle become a lemon? while you were driving or, or was it a lemon before? This is something that I want to want to find out. And if it is a problem car, again, jump on it quickly. Try to get it solved. A good reason to buy an extended warranty when you buy a used car or buy a certified used car, which will come with the warranty, and then you can avoid this issue. But if you have a problem and it's persistent, you've had it back to them two or three times, go in and talk to the dealer. Come talk to a guy like me, the guy that owns the place, because we don't, we don't want you to be upset. We want you to be happy. Sometimes that's not easy, though, when the dealer that owns the place is, he doesn't work there. He's got a general manager, and their their main concern is the bottom line all the time. They don't care as much about reputation as the guy who owns the place, I can assure you. And make sure you take all your evidence with you. Uh, take all of your repair orders. Every time you go into the service department, what have I told you to do? Get a copy of the repair order. Even if they don't find a problem, tell them you want a copy of a repair order that says no problem found. It has your complaint on it, and it says no problem found. It's very important to have that evidence. Okay, I'll take my last break, and I'll finish this up. Okay, here's another disaster for you. Uh, Your car's been in a bad wreck, and um, you don't want that car back. But your insurance company insists on fixing the car. Make sure that you ask for diminished value. Now, one of the things you need to do is call your insurance company and say, hey, listen, if my car's in a really bad wreck, and it's not been, so don't worry, but if it's if it is in a bad wreck, do I 
get anything for diminished value because I know how badly that can affect the value of my vehicle. And they may say, no, we don't have diminished value written into our policies. I think I'm going to find a policy that does. Now, my insurance company does. And many times I've seen a lot of people uh, ask for diminished value even when their policy doesn't cover it and they get it. So what is that? Well, that's how much the vehicle will depreciate simply because it's been wrecked and wrecked badly. You know, the insurance company wants to get off as cheaply as they can fixing your vehicle. They'd rather not replace it if they don't have to. But, you know, if if they have to fix it, then you're the loser there because it's going to show up as, as a wrecked vehicle on Carfax, you know, and that it even had airbags deployed. That's not good. I mean, you can lose up to 25% of the value of your vehicle or more simply because it says that it's been wrecked. So ask for and, and receive diminished value if this type of situation happens. Okay, the last disaster, facing a major repair crisis, especially on an older car. Um, let's say you have a big lien on your car, you still owe money on it, and your engine blows up. What are your options? Well, I'm, I'm sorry, but the bank wants their monthly payments. And if you if you go, if you get delinquent on those payments, they're going to repossess the car and it's going to damage your credit. So you pretty much have to fix the car, but you don't have the money to fix the car. Well, just make sure first that it's not covered by warranty. Now, if you're outside the warranty period, doesn't matter. You can still ask. You, know, you go to, if you're driving a Chevrolet, go to the Chevrolet dealership. Be really nice and say, you know, and hopefully you've been their regular customer because that will go a long way. We've talked about how important that is to get your vehicle serviced at the dealership where you bought the car. And if you can't do that, just if you bought a Chevrolet, always go to a Chevrolet dealer and get it serviced, because if you ever have a claim after the warranty expires, then you have a greater chance of getting it covered. I'm running out of breath. I'm trying to go fast here so I can finish this. Uh, the big lean can be a problem, you know, but you've, you can't let the car go. Well, you can let the car go back. They'll just sue you for the deficiency. So if you've got a big engine issue or you've got a big transmission issue, it's going to cost a lot of money, even if you don't owe anything on it. You have to look, what is the value now? And you have to ask the people in the sales department. Like, like if you have the, your car in the service department and the engine's blown, then find out what the car is worth as is. And then find out what the car is worth fixed and compare the two numbers. You know, it may make sense just to go ahead and trade it now. Because, you know, when you put a new motor in it or a new transmission, you may still have a, everything else is old. You know, you have a 10-year-old car with 10-year-old with air conditioning and 10-year-old brakes and 10-year-old power steering and everything else is 10 years old, but the engine is brand new. So it all depends on what your priorities are and what you can afford. But sometimes it just doesn't make sense to put an engine in, a, in an old car or a transmission in an old car. Uh, find out what the salvage value. Some of these companies will salvage these vehicles, and they can come out way ahead, and so can you. So if you have any questions about this kind of stuff, again, keep them rolling. Call me, 423-552-2020, or send me an email, lennylawson2020 at gmail.com. Well, thanks for, for listening to this edition of My Car Guru, and I will see you next time.